found this morning in Hosea chapter 6. We'll read the first three verses here in just a minute. Now, I'm not retired uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm at a point to where the calendar doesn't mean as much to me as it used to. And so I forget, I don't, I don't always know what holidays or what anything is anymore. So I walked in, I, I went to put my mic on and get everything set. And I walked in and I noticed that there were uh, empty spaces here this morning. And the first thing that went through my mind was, did I make that many people mad last week? And then I realized it's a holiday weekend. A lot of people are out of, uh, out of work and out of school tomorrow. And so they uh, are gone different places. And it doesn't mean I didn't make them mad. It just means that they had the opportunity to go somewhere. And uh, so um, as you get, those of you who are younger than me, as you get older, you'll understand someday that uh, you just don't always keep up with things like you used to do. Hosea chapter 6. Let me say again, choir, what a wonderful job you did on that special. That was great. That was great. It's wonderful to see so many. We see new faces here in our choir, and, and but there's still some seats up here, and some of you ought to be sitting in some of them. Amen? Amen. If all oh, if I could sing. I'd sing every Sunday. I, I, there wasn't anybody sitting in front of me this morning, and I was letting it go. I didn't have to worry about hurting anybody's ears. So stand if you would. Let's read these first three verses of uh, chapter 6 in Hosea. Hosea is writing here to the nation of Israel and Judah who were very unrepentant. And he's trying to get their attention, but God wants to show his mercy and favor to them. He says, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Father, thank you for the opportunity, the pleasure that we have to be here together to worship you. Father, I pray that we came here this morning with a heart of worship and with the uh, knowing that we would have the opportunity to be around like-minded like like-minded believers and I just pray to God that we will lift you up and continue to lift you up throughout this week I ask these things in Jesus name amen now Hosea is what we call one of the minor prophets now that doesn't mean he was minor in his content or minor in what he had to say it just means that the book that he wrote or he's responsible for wasn't quite as long as Daniel or Ezekiel or Isaiah. He's grouped there with others. Um, if you look there, he's the first book among Amos and Jonah and, and Obadiah. And uh, if I said Hezekiah, some of y'all in the choir would, some of y'all be searching for the book of Hezekiah, wouldn't you? It ain't in there, all right? Danny, got, Danny tries to get me on that a lot. But... He's not minor in his content, what he has to say. He has something very important to say. He is concerned. The nation of Israel has been blessed. And the nation of Israel has been favored by God. But the nation of Israel has become very unfaithful to God. They have wandered from his, his precepts and his commands. They have wandered astray. They are now worshiping a foreign idol. And he writes to them, 
And he speaks to them as if they were an unfaithful spouse. And so we pick up here in chapter 6, and we'll dive right into our points and into the message. And God is calling them, he's telling Hosea, write to these people, speak to these people, tell these people that I want to forgive them, and I want to restore them, and I want to be in the relationship that we've had before. God calls them to a place of revival. And he gives them a very appealing invitation. I told y'all not long ago, there's no doubt in my mind that throughout the year, Bree and I get at least two or three dozen invitations to different events, weddings, parties, uh, showers, all those kind of things. And sometimes we get these invitations in the mail, and you open up those invitations, and they are so elaborate and so nice you open up that invitation and you think, man, if this event is as nice and appealing as the invitation is, I can't wait to get there. It's going to be awesome. It makes you, you open up some and you think, man, that, I, that, that's going to be really, that's going to be really, they have really played this up as being a really great event and something that, that I want to go and be a part of. Now, the closer it gets to that event, I start looking for excuses of things, other things I have to do. I'm at that age also, all right? But those invitations can be very appealing. God is giving the nation of Israel, through the speaking of Hosea here, he's giving them this great appealing invitation. He's saying to them, I have disciplined you. I have corrected you. I have punished you because you've turned away from me. But here's what I want you to know. I don't want us to live like that. I want us to, through this invitation I'm giving you, I want you to realize that my goal is for us to live in harmony with each other and for us to know the relationship that we had before. Now, I said before, the major reason for God's discipline for, to the nation of Israel and to, uh, to the people there was because of their worship of a false god. A foreign god that had been worshipped. Uh, the people in Syria worshipped a god called Baal. B-A-A-L. And the god of, of Baal was supposed to be a god who controlled agriculture and fertility and rainfall and productivity. Now Israel is a nation that is built upon agriculture. It's an agricultural society. All of their wealth and everything that they can prosper from comes from the, comes from the fact that they are, they are big in agriculture. Everything that they do depends on that. And so in that, what, is, what are they very dependent upon? They're very dependent upon rain, and they're very dependent upon the weather. And so there comes this point in time probably where they're not getting the rain that they think that they should get, or the weather's not cooperating with them, and they feel like that God is ignoring them, and God's not blessing them, and they become impatient and disobedient, and they begin to pray to this foreign God, and they begin to ask this foreign God, can you send us rain? Will you send us rain? Will you bless our crops? Will you bless our, our livestock? And so in their impatience, they become disobedient. How many of us are that way? We once, we lived, now, now they lived in a time where they had to wait for a long time to get anything. We live in a, in a time 
where we pull up and we order from a microphone and we pull around and if they don't have our bag waiting on us when we pull up to that window, we're not happy, are we? We wonder what's taking them so long. We become we are an impatient people, and so sometimes we become disobedient. So they begin to pray to this foreign God and ask him to bless them. This false God. Now it begins with them just praying to this God. But then it escalates. They compromise by praying to this God and then they become worshipers of this foreign God Baal. This false God. And in that worship in these foreign nations here's what it entails. It entails drunkenness human sacrifice, and sexual immorality. You see, it began as just a compromise, as just a sliding away, as just a flirtation with something else other than the true God. And it engages them into a great sin, and it takes them farther and farther and farther away than what they ever dreamed that they would become. See, every sin, every great sin that someone is caught up in, every great sin that every nation or every society becomes a part of started out as a small thing. Started out as something, just a flirtation or just a, uh, just a looking at the other way. But now it becomes great iniquity. And, and a thing that the, the nation of Israel is holding on to. We look at this and, and, and we see a mirror of our society here today that we live in, in the Western world. We live in a society of, of uh, it's just a society of riotous living, drunkenness. Everywhere that we look and everywhere that we go, it becomes more and more the society that we live in. Our Sunday school lessons this morning were on the sanctity of life. And we see here that human sacrifice was a part of the worship of this foreign god, Baal. And we live in a nation now where human sacrifice is a part of everyday life through the means of abortion. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday across Southern Baptist churches. And we realize that this week, uh, Friday, in, in our nation's capital, 100,000 people marched in support of human life. But we realize how far this has gone, how many millions of children didn't have a choice in what happened to them who were taken before they had a chance to have life and murdered in the womb. And, and, and so we see that as a society, through one Supreme Court decision in the early 1970s, how far this has gone. We were offended when this first came about in 1973. We were offended that people on the, uh, who were adv advocates of abortion and abortion on demand we were offended at the fact that they used the phrase, they didn't talk about a baby or a child, they called it a fetus. And we were offended by that. But now, in this society that we live in, it has transgressed so far, they don't even call it a fetus anymore, they call it medical waste. A baby that is inside, of a, a life that is inside, is considered to be no more than medical waste to the society that we live in. God, help us, please. God, forgive us, please. And God, give us the boldness to be a voice for every unborn child that is, that is in a mother's womb today. Amen.
But here's the comfort. They, they have gone, they begin to chase after this because they weren't satisfied in what God was giving them. They go and chase something else. Now God had made a covenant with this nation of Israel. And he promised them in that covenant back in Deuteronomy. He said, I will care for you, I will protect you, and I will protect, I will prosper you as long as you obey my commands and live the way that I have prescribed for you to live. Even early on, after God gives these people these directions, they're impatient and disobedient. We know that even after God had spoken these words to Moses, Moses goes and he's just gone for 40 days. And, and the people of Israel get so impatient waiting for Moses to come back and give them instruction that they tell Moses' brother Aaron to build them a golden calf and they begin to worship a golden calf and Moses comes down and, 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 and God tells him these people are stiff-necked and I'm going to destroy all of them and Moses has to intervene for them. So we see that this is, this is a part of their history that they go back and forth this way with God so many times. But this worship of this false God is a violation of the first of the Ten Commandments that God had given the nation of Israel when He said, you will have no other God before me. If you need someone to pray for this morning, pray for the Christian people in China who have been told it is okay for you to have a church it is okay for you to have your religion of Christianity, but you have to proclaim that the government of China, the communist government of China, is more important than your God. That's no different than what the apostles or the first century Christians went through with the Roman government, but it also has happened in Russia in the past year. This has been, this is the world that we live in. Now, this was a betrayal to God. God had set up a great intimate relationship with the nation of Israel. He had made them his people. And he looks at this idol worship as spiritual adultery. And Hosea is saying here in these words, when he says, let us return to the Lord. He's saying to the people, God has punished us. God has disciplined us. But ultimately, that's not what God wants. Ultimately, what God wants is for us to leave our sin and return to Him because He loves us and He can provide what is best for us. Here's what I want you to understand. God's love for His people won't allow Him to give up on them. God loves us and He doesn't want to give up on us. And He will grow to great lengths to call us back to Him. Let us return to the Lord. That word there in the middle there, that return, what does that mean? It means he's giving them a second chance. Any of you ever had a second chance? Amen. I've had second, third, and fourth. I had more second chances in high school. If I had every, if I had a dollar for every second chance I got in high school, I'd buy us all a Big Mac and we got out of here. Guess what? I, I left high school and I got to Jack State and, and I would go and I'd give my excuse to a professor I never got a second chance. Let me give you all some advice. You never get a second chance in college. You better, you take, if you get a second chance in high school, you better take advantage of it because you won't get one when you get to university because they don't care. You, you, they're getting paid good money, and will you do it or you don't? And I found that out the hard way uh, when I got to the university. But I've been given a lot of second chances by people, but guess what? I've been given even more by God. 
I've been given even more by God. And God says to these people here, he says, I'm inviting you to come back to me. And, and I, you've been gone for, for a long time. And you've been gone a, a great distance. But I want you to come back. And these scriptures here that we're reading are the great invitation that these people have to come back. And to come back to a revival in their lives. And to come back knowing that God wants to bless them with a revival. Now here's, to begin this revival, these people have to acknowledge some things. First of all, they have to acknowledge that there's some things that they have to let go of. They had to let go of this idol worship. And they had to let go of this praying to a, to a false god. They had to let go of those things. They had, to, they had to let go of anything that was more important to them than their relationship with God. What's more important in your life right now than Jesus? What's more important in your life right now? What's more important than Jesus? If there's something more important than Jesus in your life, let it go. Let it go and understand the great blessing that will come in your life. Repent from it. He's telling these people, let it go and turn away from it. Let those things go and run back to me and return to what has pleased me in our relationship in the past. So we see God's call to revival, and we see how these people will get to revival. There's a purpose in pain. That's a hard thing to, get, to grab our, our minds around sometimes. But there is purpose in the pain that we go through. Hosea gives this vivid description. He says, he has torn, but he will heal us. Get that image of torn in your mind. Any of you ever had a torn muscle? You ever tore a muscle? Hurts. It's a deep pain. And it takes a while to heal that. And it takes going through some things to heal it. Some of you have probably been through knee surgeries and shoulder surgeries and they've told you that something in there is torn and they've got to, they've got to fix it. And Hosea gives this imagery here of, of something being torn because it's a severe image when something is torn. Now why would God allow us at any time in our experience with him, why would he allow us, allow us to be torn by anything in this world? Why would he allow you and I to be torn by anything? Because sometimes he has to take us to a place to show us, he has to allow us to go to a place to show us that he's the only one who can put us back together. That he's the only one who can heal what is going on in our life. God is trying to draw our hearts back to his. And God has a purpose for that pain. Sherry Burgess, if you listen to the Rick and Bubba show in the morning, Rick Burgess's wife, Sherry Burgess, a few years, it's been several years now, but on January the 19th, several years ago, they lost their two-year-old son, Bronner, at their home, he fell into their swimming pool and he drowned. Rick Burgess was away on a speaking engagement and he talked about how hard it was to fly back home knowing what he was coming home to and the pain that he was feeling at the time. You can imagine 
the grief and the and the anguish that that Sherry Burgess went through there, being being there and knowing that her child had died and that her husband was gone and that he was coming home. But she wrote a book about the experience in memory of her son Bronner, and she made this statement. She said, "I don't always when she's talking about God." She said, "I don't always like his tactics, but I can't argue with his results." I can't I don't always like his tactics, but I can't argue with his results. You see, she took her pain and she took her grief and she took all those things and she gave them over to God and she said, God, let me be obedient in being your child and let me help so many others who are suffering this type of pain that I'm going through. And in listening this this past week. And listening to her testimony on the anniversary of that tragic event. And listening to her and her husband Rick talk about all of the people, the thousands of people that they have been able to reach with the message of Christ. They took this great tragedy and turned it into something that would honor God. That's difficult to think about. It's difficult for us to even imagine but they were able to do it. I've watched some of you be able to do some of the same things through things that have happened in your life. You've taken that pain and that tragedy and you've turned it into a purpose that God could use. You see, the world doesn't have a remedy for the pain that we suffer. Only God offers us this healing. And he tells this nation here, he says, Hosea says, we've been torn but God wants to put us back together, why wouldn't we want to take him at his word? Then he says, he goes on here at the end of that verse, he says, he has struck us down, he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us, on the third day he will raise us up, that we may live for him. God's goal is that the pain he allows would take us to a better place, a place where we are abiding and trusting completely in everything that he has to say and completely abiding and trusting in him and him alone. He says, God, God says, I'm going to get glory from your life one way or the other. And he's telling Israel, he said, you can repent and be blessed or you can continue in your sin and be destroyed. But either way, the nations around you are going to know that I am God Almighty. So when we, when we are in a place where we've been away from God and, we've been in, and we have strayed from God and we have sin in our lives, know that sometimes He allows us, He gives us that chance to come back and to serve Him in a greater way. And so, and they listen to the call to revival. They find that way to revival. And now look at the gladness that we can have in revival. He says, press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. First thing about that place of gladness in revival is it's available. Now, here's one of the the, the things that just really blows my mind when I think about God is that God is eternal. And my mind can't comprehend that. God has always been 
and God will always be. And not only that, God has, God has always been in what has passed, but God is already ahead in what has not happened yet. Now think about that for just a minute. I don't, I don't care what you scored on the ACT test. You can't get your head around that. I'll tell you what I scored, but I don't want to shame any of you. But here's, what I want, here's the point I want to make. In God's eternity, he's already there tomorrow. Tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, I'll, I'll be having a cup of coffee. God's already there. Now, if something were to happen, some tragedy or something were to happen, and I'm not there at 8 o'clock in the morning, God's already there and he's already in control of the situation. Darren got a phone call this week, just a couple of days ago. He gets a phone call in the evening. Everything is just going like clockwork. He's living life just like he always does, and all of a sudden he gets a phone call that his dad has been in a really bad accident, and he's hurt really bad. And Darren is in Southside. His father's in Mississippi, and Darren's got to drive all that way without knowing exactly what he's going to come into. But you know what I know about Darren? Darren prayed about it before he left, and he knew that God was already there and was already working. And Darren's leaving. As soon as we finish here, Darren's leaving. He's going back to Mississippi to be with his dad. And here's what Darren knows. God is already there tomorrow morning. And God will be there the next week. And God is in complete sovereign control. Now here's, what I want, here's the point I want to drive home right here. I want you to understand this. There are things that are going to happen in this life that are going to be great, painful things for us. God, was, God knows what we're going through. It was a hard, painful experience for God in heaven one day to see His Son go to a cross and give His life for a sinful humanity. So painful that he had to turn and look away from it because he can't look upon sin. But God understands the pain that you're going through because of that. Christ had walked this earth and he understands every painful situation that you go through. Why would you go through anything without Christ? Why would you go through... Why? The, the, the scriptures here say that God is as sure as the, as sure as the sun is going to come up tomorrow. God is already there. Why would we want to go through any circumstance, good or bad, without the one who's already there? And without the one who holds it all in his hands? Why not walk with him and know him as deeply as we possibly can? Hosea says, that when we turn, then we need to press on to know everything we can about the Lord. You look at this, these scriptures and you say, Well, Michael, I'm not worshiping any foreign god or I'm not worshiping any idol. But what are, what are the idols of this world that we're so caught up in? What are the idols of this world that we're so caught up in? This is my favorite. I'm, if you've been here with me for a while, you know I'm a sports fan. And we're coming up on one of my favorite times of the year, the NCAA basketball tournament. And I'm, I'm, I will spend 
several hours in the month of March watching basketball. And Grayson and I will text back and forth. We'll say, do you see this game or do you see this team or do you see this player? We'll, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time doing that. There's nothing wrong with that. Until it becomes something that I give, more, give so much of my time to that it hinders my relationship with the Lord. Until it becomes something that I stay up until midnight watching every game that comes on and I sleep in a little bit late the next morning and I neglect my time, my alone time with the Lord for several days. Then what has it become? It's not just become a recreation or a hobby to me. It's become an idol. What are we giving? What do we give our time to? I'll sit in August. I watch, I watch a lot of Major League Baseball. I'll sit in August and I'll watch two baseball teams that are both 20 games out of first place. I'll sit there and watch nine innings of it just because I like it. And that's okay until it becomes something that pulls me away from the time or what I ought to be giving to the Lord. What do we give our time to? Where does our money go? Where do we spend our money? What are we rushing to get back and forth to? Where are we spending all of our time rushing to get to this or rushing to get to that and rushing to get our kids to this or our kids to that? Where do our true passions lie? In this, where, where, where are our true passions in our life? When I first came here, um, I was a youth minister. Brother Derek Smith was preaching a sermon one Sunday morning, and he said, if you want to know what you worship, then open up your checkbook and look through your checkbook. This is back when you had a checkbook register. These kids don't even know what that is. But he said, open up your checkbook register and go through and see where you spend your money, and, that's, and, and you may know where you worship. Well, that was many years ago, and I went, through, I went home and went through my checkbook register. I worshiped the Dairy King. <laughs> According to my checkbook, I worshiped the Dairy King and, and the Grub Mart. That's where all my money went. I, was, I guess I put gas in my car and drove over to the Dairy King. But think about it. Where, where, where do we spend money that we don't have sometimes? What do, we, what do we do? That's where sometimes if we take a closer, God's goodness is available to us, but sometimes we put so many, we crowd our lives with so many things we, we don't get to it. We, it doesn't come to us because we got so many other things in our lives that we make more important. It's available, and it's also abundant. He, he, Hosea is saying here, he says, Turn and know the blessings of walking in peace with God. There was a moment in time where I came to a place I had been at war with God. From the moment I was born until the moment I surrendered to salvation, I was at war with God. But there was a moment in time where I surrendered my life to Christ and I came to a place where I was at peace with God. And since then, I have wanted to be in a place where I was continuously walking in peace with God. And God is saying here to the nation of Israel, He's saying, you have known peace with me in the past, what I want you to know is to return from the sin that you're in and walk in peace with me today. Be at peace with me. Is there any greater place than to be at peace with God and to walk at peace, in peace with God? 
can't imagine anything better in this life. Now, here's what Hosea does. As we close this morning, he takes them back to the root of the problem. He says, He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. He's saying, in other words, God wants to come in revival to you as a downpour of heavy rain. That rain that you so lusted after and caused you to go to a foreign God, God wants to rain on you personally in your life and bring peace to you. Now you think about that. I've looked out the window here in the last six weeks and I've, I've made the statement, man, I'm sick of rain. I'm, t- I'm so tired of rain. Some of you have made the same statement. But guess what? In all that rain, our water table has risen. We're officially out of the drought. And we ought to give thanks for what God is providing for us, but yet we sometimes we, we fuss about it. Because here's what's going to happen. There will be a time somewhere in July where I'll look out the window and say, man, I wish it would rain. I had a friend last summer who sent me a message, and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm real mad at you. And I, I took me a while to get back. I didn't know what I'd done to him, and I sent him a message back, and I, asked, I said, why are you mad at me? He said, because you obviously don't know how to pray. And I said, what did I not pray about? And he said, my garden's out here dying. You obviously don't know how to pray for rain. I, so God takes them back to the root of this problem There was a point where they didn't feel they were getting the rain they needed. Their livelihood depended upon it. So they chased after a false god because of their impatience. And in doing so, they grew farther and farther away from God. They became a sinful people that they never dreamed it was possible for them to become. But here in these scriptures, God says these words, return, come back, come back to me. I am waiting on you, and I not only want to forgive you, but I want to bless your life by being in revival with you. I want to be close with you. I want to walk with you in a way that we've walked before, and I want to bless you in ways that you can't even imagine. And here's what I want you to get and understand is, I don't care how far you feel away from God. I don't care how far you think you have gone from God. God still sits as he did with the nation of Israel. God still is extending his hand and saying, return. Come back. Let's be in fellowship. Let's be at peace. And let's have revival. What a wonderful message and invitation this morning. I want to share with you this morning that right where you stand today, You can say to God, I want to turn from what I'm following. I want to turn from what I'm doing. I want to repent of that. And I want to come back into this relationship with you. My heart may have grown cold, but I'm weary and I'm struggling. That uh, that song said earlier about the chain breaker. We get to a place where we're worn and weary. And we feel like we can't go on. And God is there the whole time wanting to pick us up and take us and walk with us as we've done before. As Darren comes this morning, I want to offer a time of invitation to you. I want you to pray this morning, and whatever it may be that you have crowded into your life, and you may have made more important than Jesus, I want you to say, Lord, I want to put that aside, and I want to come to a place to where Jesus is first and foremost in every single thing in my life. 
I want you to come to a place this morning where you say, Lord, I want my relationship to be deeper and stronger, and I want to know you in a way that I've never known you before. Because you extend that invitation to me. The God of the universe is extending an invitation to you. He's saying, come home. This morning, that's our invitation. Maybe you're here this morning, and you have never begun a relationship with Jesus. Today would be the perfect place to do that. The perfect time. Maybe you're struggling with something you need to come and pray. Maybe you need to pray for someone else. Don't let what other people think about you coming to an altar hinder you from coming to an altar. Who cares? You and God do business this morning. Would you stand? Father, thank you for the opportunity and the time that you've given us here. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it still rings as fresh today as it did when Hosea spoke these words to the nation of Israel. Thank you that you offer and extend an invitation to us without reservation. And you offer, you know, we may be in a, have been in a place where you've disciplined us, where you have, but whatever pain we're in this morning, dear God, let us know through your Holy Spirit that you offer forgiveness and an opportunity to return. Father, may these words ring clear in our hearts and our spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.